Jesus' final charge to his disciples was to go and make disciples of all nations. And yet, many Christians today struggle to understand what this means for them, and many churches find it difficult to, quote, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For the past 15 years, our friends at Downline Ministries have partnered with local churches by equipping men and women to know God's Word and to make disciples in the context of their homes, their churches, and their communities. They do this through the Downline Institute, a nine-month training program where students are taught Genesis to Revelation, biblical manhood, womanhood, and practical discipleship training. If you long for a greater knowledge of God's Word, a clearer vision for making disciples, and a strengthening of biblical discipleship in your church, check out the Downline Institute's in-person and virtual training options. Downline is offering our listeners $100 off the tuition cost. Just use the code LIFEWAY when you apply at downlineministries.com. LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Group Answers Podcast, a weekly show designed to resource, train, and encourage small group leaders. Each episode considers current trends and resources, as well as timeless truths and methods of discipleship. It's hosted by Brian Daniel and Chris Surratt. Now, enjoy the show. On this episode of Group Answers, we continue the conversation that we started last week with Drew Dixon. So enjoy part two of student groups. So Drew, you guys over in the student uh, ministry publishing area have initiated these advisory boards. And so we want to get you on the show today on the podcast just to talk through the genesis of that, what you're learning, uh, how it came to be, and uh, just in terms of student ministry and groups, if you could share, I think some of your findings, that would be really helpful to a lot of our listeners out there, particularly those that are associated with students. But I think there's also something to be learned more broadly. So yeah. Advisory boards, right? Yeah, yeah. So this has actually kind of been a big part of how we operate on the student publishing team for a long time. So um, I've been on this team for, gosh, almost six years. Um, and we every, you know, every year we're, we're going to one of our curriculum lines and we are, are reevaluating it and redesigning. That's we've kind of been had that rhythm for a long time. Like every every year we're going to take one of those three, Bible Studies for Life, Explore the Bible or the Gospel Project, and just like throw everything to the back on the drawing board and say, what should change? What should stay the same? Is there any what how can we make this better serve churches? How can we make it better serve ministry leaders and students? Um, and so we couldn't do that well if we just asked those questions in and of ourselves. Like I've been writing and editing Bible studies for a long time and I think I know how to do it well, but like it wouldn't be helpful to just talk to other people like me who do that kind of work all the time. Um, if we're really going to make a good product that really serves churches and points them to Jesus, I think we've got to go to the people that use it regularly and say, hey, help us make this better. What works for you in your context? What doesn't? Every church is different, too. I mean, there's some things that are going to work for one church that won't work for another. Um, and so, so yeah, so every every year we were putting on these big advisory board 
uh, events where we would bring student pastors and student leaders from all over the country. We'd always try to uh, seek out a diversity of churches, so large churches, small churches, rural, uh, urban, um, from all different parts of the country too, so not just like Bible Belt churches, but all all different kinds of churches, and bring we'd bring them to Nashville, where we're headquartered, um, and we'd put them up in a hotel and feed them, and we'd spend about you know a day and a half, two days, just sitting around a table going through our curriculum. A lot of times we would have redesigned one of those curriculums and we'd show them and say, hey, what do you think? And the really cool thing about those meetings is we would always, there's, there was never a time when we, we put together one of those meetings that we didn't step away with like like at least two or three really big changes that we made to our curriculum that were um, that made it way better. Because we're actually talking to um, people on the front lines of discipleship, right? I mean, we... At Lifeway, like we're curriculum providers, we provide resources, but we don't actually do any discipling that's done by by people who use our materials, right? And so to hear from them, um, it just was massively helpful. So fast forward when COVID hit and, and all that, like we decided, we thought, well, we can't really do these kind of advisory boards right now because uh, nobody's supposed to hang out. <laughs> <laughs> in person during COVID, right? That was like the big thing. Um, and so we wanted to be respectful of that. So we thought, well, like we're using Zoom all the time. Why don't we just do the same sort of thing on a larger scale through Zoom and do it all the time? So we just started like every week I was leading one advisory board just for like an hour or so, sort of a miniature version of what I described, um, where we would walk through one of our resources and get student pastors and student leaders to say, Hey, here's what I like. Here's what I don't. Here's how we use this. So we, we tried to hear from churches who use our stuff. Here's how I use it. Here's how I utilize the resources y'all are providing. And then we also tried to talk to some people who don't use our stuff and say, like, would you use this? Like, And if not, why wouldn't you? So we can make it better um, and we can make it serve you and your people more more efficiently. And uh, yeah, it was incredibly fruitful. So out of this this last one, especially, and maybe the last couple, what are maybe a few trends that you're seeing when it comes to student groups? I am sure in the six years that you've been doing this, student groups have evolved or, you know, the way that they, they do them. So do you have some highlights that you guys have learned through these groups? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think there's probably two or three big trends that I've seen that came out of these meetings. One is training, um, everybody, lo- I think like, this is going to sound arrogant, but most of the time people really like the curriculum we're providing. They'll have some small things they would change here and there, but they're always like, how, how do we use it best? Like, what does it look like to use this in day in and day out? And that's like the one area that we go like, well, you kind of have to figure that out some on your own <laughs> because we're not your church. Like, and it, you know, and, and every church is a little bit different. We kind of want to put like in the past, I think we've kind of wanted to say to churches like, Hey, um, you need to kind of figure that out. (laughs) But, uh, the number of times we hear a desire for like, Hey, show me exactly like spell it out. And we do that in our resources. We spell out in our resources exactly how to best use them. But I think the reality is in this day and age is that people skip that front 
that front part of the Bible study that tells you how to use it or like any instructions, like you get something. And if, if at all, I'm that way too. Like if at all possible, when I get a new product in the mail, if I can skip the instructions, I will. Absolutely. Like, and, and like too, like I'm actually kind of a big board gamer too. Like if I buy a new board game, that's the part I hate the most. I hate reading the instruction manual. So what I do is I go and watch YouTube videos There's these great YouTube videos that tell you how to play a yes. board game. And so, um, so yeah, that's got us, that's got our minds thinking about like just more video content, um, more accessible video content to show people, uh, how to use our materials and tips on how to use it better. I think, um, yeah, I think sometimes we assume, we assume too much of the churches that might be using our material, uh, that, that they that they already know how they want to do groups uh, whenever we could be actually kind of shepherding them, holding their hand a little bit more in that process. So that's a big theme that we've noticed. Um, I just told somebody yesterday that God's greatest gift to mankind was YouTube. You know, I don't know where that falls <laughs> yeah. in theology, but I've been doing several kind of DIY things since I moved oh, man. out to the country, like change oil, That's a God change oil on a mower. Uh, for that I just installed a trailer yeah. hitch with wiring and every single time I threw the instructions away and I pulled up a YouTube video and that's mm-hmm. how I survived mm-hmm. whatever I was doing. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Drew, in terms of the challenges to uh, student group ministry that are emerging from the advisory boards. And as you guys have fielded those, what are some of those challenges that have, uh, that are more memorable? And are there any that just feel really difficult that, uh, you know, as you've, as you've reacted and, uh, and, yeah. and interacted and engaged the, these student leaders that you're like, you know, that's just really hard, and we don't really have that answer. I'd be interested in any of those challenges or any discourse that you have in that way. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, there's a few that come to mind. I think one is um, like a lot of uh, student ministry leaders have students nowadays that are like the numbers of teenagers in our culture today that are struggling with anxiety are skyrocketing. Um that are reporting to at least, I I don't know that it's like skyrocketing so much as there's more awareness Mm -hmm. about it. Maybe is probably the better way to understand it. And then I think things like COVID-19 have only like exacerbated that, you know, made it more pronounced. And so there's a lot of student pastors that are, are trying to minister to students that are lonely and anxious and, um, and I think there's a lot of student pastors that don't and, and leaders that don't have the vocabulary or like the equipping to think through that. So like, that's something we just did on our team is we had like a team wide um, training on anxiety and uh, mental health uh, was a big thing um, that we just did that. I'm excited about what that could potentially uh, produce in some of our resources Um yeah, I think another one, and this kind of ties into that question you asked earlier, Chris, about students is um, a trend that we noticed in these advisory boards was um, every, usually like once, maybe every other advisory board will get somebody that says, 
I don't like that question that you asked in the Bible study, (laughs) 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 which is always like, y'all know it's an art form. Asking good questions in Bible study is probably actually in writing for us, writing good questions, I think might be the most important thing that we, that we strive to do. Um, and you're never going to make everybody happy. There's always going to be somebody that's like, well, that question's dumb or whatever. <laughs> but, but, uh, but that's something that um, we've actually started giving more thought to as well Is like, how can we um, develop some categories? Um, just go back and, and really hone in and make sure we're asking questions that promote community, that um, questions that uh, don't make students feel like failures you know, I think sometimes in Bible study, we ask questions that set people up to feel like, oh, well, I'm not doing that. I must be a bad Christian or something. You know, it's a question that sort of puts them on the spot or, or you know, just just sort of go. Because with, with teenagers, I think that's even more important with students because, um, yeah, w- the last thing we want to do with students that are suffering from anxiety is to ask them questions that make them feel um, like they, they failed or they're – yeah, that there's something yeah. wrong with them. Um, Does that feel like a big correction for you guys? Because I know the just the idea of asking good questions, you know, it's not new in our work. Um, but it sounds yeah. like through these advisory boards that has that has added, um, for lack of a better term, like a, a, an additional filter for the team. Yeah, I think so. I think we're getting there. I, and, and, you know, and I, I would – I would say like, I think we've been asking, uh, I think we've been asking good questions and I don't think we've necessarily had a, had a tendency to ask questions that, that do any of those things, like I mentioned earlier, that make students feel more alone or anything like that. But, but I do think, um, yeah, it's definitely put, um, a, a, uh, I don't know, it's like spurred me on, I guess, to really make sure that we're, yeah, that we're, um, being really thoughtful about the kind of questions that we ask, because like the people that use our, our curriculum, they may not read every leader's note. And they certainly, there's a lot of them that certainly won't read the commentary, like the Bible commentary that we might include some of our studies, but they will look at the questions and they probably will like verbally ask one of those questions to people in the groups and get their responses. And so if they do that and the response is crickets, chirping you know nobody wants to answer the question or if they do that and somebody feels um like is is sort of tempted to brag or boast about how spiritual they are and it makes everybody else feel inadequate then like hey we we could have done better there i think um so we want to you know again um i think ask questions that help people take steps towards jesus that um that get people being vulnerable, that's a huge goal of ours is to ask questions that and provide uh, encouragement for leaders and students to be vulnerable, um, you know, to, 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 and that's, again, that's something that we can't do completely because like vulnerability requires trust that can only happen in a group with like a leader that's creating that kind of space where there's trust and people feel safe to be vulnerable. But we can at least uh, encourage that through the resources we provide. So that's that's been another area that we're. I think I'm I'm hopeful that there's going to be that there will be some 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 growth there. I just know that from my time working more directly with the content, asking good questions and really thinking it through, like Drew is, uh, Drew is is describing, 
is an extremely emotionally exhausting enterprise. I mean, it's, and there was a lot of temptation just to ask the lazy question is what I call it. And I think we would all Mm -hmm. know what that looks like. And it's like, you know, I've asked, I feel like I've got five out of seven that are good questions. I can have two lazy questions. And it sounds like what you're describing is it's like, there's a double down on good questions and Mm -hmm. it's almost like leave no question behind (laughs) mentality. (laughs) Yeah. That you guys have adopted. I think this this principle parallels with adult studies. I know we're talking student studies in specifically, but the uh, putting ad- adults on the spot when it comes to mental health, when it comes to their shortcomings, all of that is pretty easy to do when you ask the wrong type of questions or you ask it in the wrong mm-hmm. way. And so whether you are a professional uh, question writer like Drew is, or you're working at a church and maybe you write your own studies for uh, you go along with the message or whatever that looks like, thinking through what that question is going to lead to is imperative um, because you're setting that that group leader up for success or failure just in the way that you you uh, you word that question. Well, thank yep. you, Drew Dixon, for uh, giving your time today. I know with three curriculum lines, you've got a lot going on. So I appreciate you giving us 30 minutes of your day and uh, sharing with us what you're learning through the advisory boards. But also, I, I think the, the gaming conversation is just fascinating, just like Chris said. So uh, yeah. that's going to that's gonna wrap it up for this installment of the Group Answers podcast also known as the Group Answers Podcast Show, also known as the Group Answers Show. I've called it in the past. Drew, it's an inside joke. I get beaten up all the time, but it just I mean, comes with the territory. I, I realize I never weighed in on that. I mean, honestly, I just feel like you got to land on one, <laughs> but definitely not podcast show because that's just <laughs> unnecessary to use both of Brandon those. Brandon Bottle had the same view. I don't know. So maybe, so maybe Drew won't be back with us. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, looking forward to being with you again on down the road. And as always, we would we encourage you to subscribe. That way you don't have to thumb through down the podcast. It just shows up in your inbox and ready to go. And in terms of comments and ratings, it's always helpful. And we appreciate any of that that you would be kind enough to send our way. Thank you for joining us. Hope you have a great week.